you um, are here, we just want to say welcome. And if you're online, again, welcome. We're glad that you have joined us this morning. For the Advent reading, I'll read from Isaiah this morning. And then uh, we'll do a little bit of a reading, and I'll ask some reflective questions as we light the candle, um, just to give us a moment to sit and think about what it means for us to be a people of hope. So this first reading is from Isaiah. We'll start in chapter 2 and just read a few verses together to help frame our minds this morning. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of our God, to the house of the God of Jacob, that God may teach us God's ways and that we may walk in the Lord's paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. God shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord this morning. As we read this particular passage, one of the things that easily stands out um, is that there is a way that things are and there is a way that things should be. And as we hear from Isaiah this morning, in the next few verses of that passage, there is talk of uh, inordinate wealth, of military strength, of abuses of power, of ways in which people lord their own um, hoardings over the poverty and distress of others. And so we have this vision from Isaiah of how it ought to be when the presence of God is near or when God is in our midst one of peace and of justice, one of accountability for wrongs that are committed, and one of which the path before us is laid clear. And I think especially for us in this season, um, it may not feel like the path before us is clear. And so in a time like this, where we look around and wonder what is the future for us as a church, as a congregation, To make it even more personal, sometimes what is it for us in our household, for our careers in an unsure season, for our families as they transition from maybe young little ones to adults, or from adults to seniors, or from seniors to sick. We often are wrestling with what does it mean for God to be here, for God to be present. And so as we hear this passage, Um, I I think it's really important for us to reflect on what it means because the gospel this morning comes in pretty hot. Um, And so when we read the gospel uh, portion this morning, it can feel so jarring, so much transition and change and imminently. And so we take a moment this morning just to be rooted in the idea that there are two ways of seeing the world that there is this present moment in which we can look around and see that all is not right, 
that all is not as it should be, that not everyone is welcome, that not everyone has enough, that not everyone has a clear path forward. And yet we're also given these secondary lenses where you don't have to pull your glasses down to adjust your focus. You simply shift your eyes and see that there is another way, that peace is possible, that there's this way of not only imagining the world, but of being in the world in which we put our anxieties and we put our questions and we lay them at the feet of Jesus and say, God, be near. We need your presence in this time so that we might share in our abundance, so that we might welcome those who um, have no other place to be or who where they are is unsafe. As we talk about what it means to be a people of hope and people walking through this season to Christmas, to God being near, we sing songs like, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And that is, that speaks to what it means to be a people with that sort of dual vision. It speaks to what it means to, to sit in a, an unclear situation and to know that God's presence will help to make things right and clear, that the path forward will not always be foggy, and that God's presence oftentimes is enough for this moment. So as we light this candle this morning, <clears throat> I'll read again this brief vision. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. What can seem like a strange vision from thousands of years ago is still so applicable to us today, that we might be people of peace. And this imagery of a sword and of pruning hooks might be one that we can translate today into our own context. So as I light the candle, I ask you to imagine what does it mean for us to turn some of maybe the political rhetoric of our time into invitations to sit together and understand each other, to show empathy and kindness and patience and love. What does it mean for us to take maybe the sword of sort of the economic engines which divide us and to say in our abundance or in our need, we can come to sit at the same table and to share a meal together. What does it mean in your context with your friends and your coworkers, the students who sit next to you in class to take the things that were meant to either hurt or divide or to leverage power and to turn those into invitations to welcome and to be together at peace. We think about these things as we light this candle of hope this morning. <clears throat> Let's pray together. God, we anticipate many things in our lives, but most of all, we anticipate you coming back to make all things right. This is where Advent begins, seeing what is and seeing what could be. Help us to have hope as we wait. Prepare our hearts to celebrate your birth. Amen. Um, this morning, we'll continue by reading through the gospel um, passage this morning. 
So if we want to put that on the screen. <clears throat> this passage from Matthew chapter 24 um, is an urgent passage, but I, I'm asking you to hear it with the vision of Isaiah in the background. This hopeful vision um, in which we can see things as they are and we can also see things as they should be. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only God the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together and one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, they would have stayed awake and would not have let their house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a, uh, often a scary passage. Um, it speaks of... Uh, floods uh, coming when you least expect them. It speaks uh, most prominently about a thief coming in the middle of the night, catching you unaware. Um, and these often um, are images that we use um, to talk about the urgency of the moment, the incredible nearness, and uh, what it means for us to, need it, to be prepared. I think um, often of uh, waking up after falling asleep on the couch. And there is a commercial about um, buying a month's worth of food now. You, you know, <laughs> buy these buckets full of mac and cheese and these bunkers where you can sort of hide your family away in a case of an emergency. I might be the only one up in the middle of the night who ever sees those commercials, but they are real. And um, they are much louder than the rest of the commercials, which are already loud. Um, and so you kind of get the sense in which, when you read this passage, uh, at any moment, danger is imminent. Um, but I ask you to recall what we just read and what it means for us to have sort of in the background uh, someone showing up unexpectedly to provide peace and justice. And so it can be very scary, but what if instead of waking up to that sort of urgent commercial um, that says, everything you love will be destroyed and you must provide for yourself. What the commercial was saying, oh, remember that Jesus who came and ate with us on the shore in the Sea of Galilee and he provided fish and bread and an opportunity to be in conversation about what it truly means to be the people of God who receive the presence of God and peace arrives. You don't need to bring your own fish. You don't need to bring your own bread. But he just sort of shows up when you're struggling to catch your daily fish, to provide for your family. God just shows up and provides. 
What does it mean for us to be scared and gathered in the upper room and then Jesus to appear and say, I too know what it means to feel wounded. To be someone who um, understands betrayal, to be someone who has felt lonely and abandoned. And I invite you to sit with me and to know me intimately in such a way that you too can feel the scars that I know that you carry and we'll be together in this room together. This is the kind of um, Jesus that is coming in the middle of the night, not to steal you or to, to take your partner away from the threshing floor, but to help to make all things right. This is what we long for and hope for in the Advent season. Not that we might be taken away from all that is wrong, but that the path before us as it talks about in other places in Isaiah, would be made straight, that the stones that we would stumble upon in the darkness would be removed so that we could walk in any time of day, knowing that no lion will come and snatch us, but that we walk a straight path that is clear before us. I think about um, other sets of stories that um, often influence us. There's a couple of types of stories that can maybe like hook us into um, the storyline emotionally. There are the stories like um, Family Matters or Modern Family in which the thing that you show up for every week is that nothing's going to change. The dad is always going to be bumbling around and the children will always have um, some minor problem at school. And so you tune in every week because you know that nothing is going to change. That's not what this particular passage is. This is the other kind of story that we also watch or that we read in which um, something like 24, um, in which you know that there will be some sort of imminent threat and you'll have to sort of figure it out in a MacGyver fashion. Or um, <clears throat> more recently shows uh, like Game of Thrones in which the whole point is that change is coming and that there's this odd dance between what was, what is, and what will be. And this gospel passage is more of that tense version of the story in which the purpose is not just to sort of keep you satisfied and tuned in, relaxed, but to get you to think about what it means for the presence of God to come sweeping in like a flood or for you to be overtaken in the middle of the night by the love of God, by the presence of God who sets things right. And so for those, of, uh, for those who are um, in the right place um, and who are doing the right things, who are seeking justice in their communities, who are providing for the day laborers a fair wage, those who are um, seeking peace in their communities, this is fine. There is nothing to worry about for them. It is really only for those who are withholding wages in a very real way, who are making richness only for themselves, that this passage should be fearful or frightening for. For us, as the people of hope, this is a time of renewal and of the Lord coming back into our lives to champion a way forward for ourselves, the people of God to be in God's presence. And so as we read this particular passage, um, 
the urgency, again, is not um, for us to be something to be feared. It is, uh, it is offered as a gift. I think um, maybe most rightly of uh, my children bickering. They are 9 and 10 right now. And when something is unfair um, and they hear our footsteps coming up the stairs, there's usually one child whining and one child sort of imposing their will on the other. Whether that's holding our hamster Seymour or the purple pen that we got for one child and the other child is using, or, I mean, there's all sorts of things that they looked at me the wrong way. There's something unfair and unjust. And as soon as they hear the footsteps coming up the stairs, there are two potential reactions. If you are the child who is being unfair or who is uh, withholding something from your sibling, there might be fear, anxiety, um, something that you know isn't right about the way that you're acting. And then the other child who is thankful that they hear the footsteps coming up the stairs. And so we have this opportunity to hear the scripture this morning and to make some choices about how we're going to go through this season. If there are things that are unsettled or not right or imbalanced or not in their proper place, this is the moment before the Lord comes to make things right, to hand over the pen, to give your sister a hug instead of a punch, um, to, to adjust the way that you're talking to stop screaming or withholding hair ties, right? This is the moment in which you can hear the footsteps on the stairs. And if you are the person for whom you feel there is injustice in the world, you should take a moment to be grateful that you can hear the footsteps. They are that near to you, that God is coming to make all things right. And please don't in any way in this scenario try to place me in the position of God. But I only use that to illustrate the nearness with which this passage is speaking. That God is so near, you can hear their footsteps on the stairs, coming to relieve you, coming to be with you, to hold you and tell you it's going to be okay. That when you hit your foot coming out of the tub, that it's going to be okay. That if you fell off the bed because you were sleeping so hard, and you don't know what's going on, it's going to be okay. So we can approach this passage with fear and trembling, as, as, as it would be if we only read this passage. Or we can remember the rest of the Gospels in which God is coming to weep with us over our losses, of which God is coming to heal us of our infirmities, of which God is coming to provide food for us when we are hungry, of which God is healing those um, who have been cast aside by the rest of society, bringing them, calling them into community, asking them to return back what they've stolen so that things can be made right. As we think about what it means for us um, in closing, what does it mean for us to be a people of hope in a season in which things we can see are not right, but we have hope for renewal, hope for something better? What does it mean for us to, to know that God is so near that when we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, we believe 
that God is near enough to hear us, that God is near enough to be moved by our cries for mercy and for justice? What does it mean for us to be a people who live in that place between what is and what will be? Um, this will be maybe where we find peace. <clears throat> this will be a place where we can return back to scripture, where we can let memories of this place sort of settle in on um, whatever it is that comes next. Um, I think in prayer, um, we as a congregation might find ourselves united in a particular way um, that will help us through the season. Um, where we're just not quite sure what is next and where um, the imminence of God uh, may feel maybe not so close. Um, so we're going to take a couple of moments to pray. And again, <clears throat> for my few weeks here, the prayers will be for us to just remember um, the promises that God has given to us, for us to remember what it means to be a people gathered together for a particular purpose. And our mission statement as a church is to help people take the next step. Um, and oftentimes, I think we often try to just apply that to those around us. But I think it's OK for us to also apply that to ourselves. What does it mean for us to take the next step of faith as a congregation together? I'm going to pray that for us this morning.